Last week we started um, a new subject and we want to continue on this subject by the grace of God. Uh, God is testing you. God is testing you. I really do believe very much that the church is being tested in, in all sorts of ways and and this message is looking at a number of scenarios in how God tests his people. Why? Why he tests us. He doesn't tempt us, but he tests us. The Bible tells us very clearly that we will go through testings, trials, and they are for a purpose. Now, nobody likes trials. No one. There's no one that will raise their hand and say, yes, bring it on, Lord. Give more trials. No, our human nature, we don't like it. And when it happens, it, it brings out a number of characteristics in our lives. Uh, and some of, the, some of those characters are wrong. And, uh, and that's part of the purpose why God allows uh, 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 trials, because it brings out things that had been there that are not right so we can bring it to God so God can do his work of grace in our lives and we be strengthened. You know, when you listen to the, um, the experiences uh, of some of these non-Christians who have become uh, famous and, and wealthy um, you, and what they had to go through, it's what they went through that made them. When you listen to the story of Dyson and how that, uh, that uh, vacuum cleaner uh, without releasing any dust in the atmosphere, how that came about, it just, it just didn't happen overnight. He was rejected time and time and time and time again with his invention. It's like, why are you trying to create the will for? That's, that's Hoover. You know, and uh, for a long time, and although overseas in Japan was well received, but he didn't get the breakthrough in this nation until, until one day someone actually saw that. I mean, he had to mortgage his house. You see, difficult times, they are designed to bring out something out of us. But a lot of people fail in the difficult times, fail in the trials of life, and they give up. They throw in the towel. They never endure to the end to see what could become of that idea. And in the church, sadly, again, um, a lot of Christians do not stay the course of their difficulties, their trials, their rejection, and they give up, not knowing that it's the difficult times that makes you as a person. It's the difficult times that bring out and shape and mold your character. And so we're going to be looking at more of these scenarios of um, patriarchs of old and even the, uh, the church back then, how God dealt with uh, the people um, to see what was really inside of them. So let us pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you again for another opportunity to break the bread of life, your word to your people. 
Lord, I'm asking that you will open our spiritual understanding and bestow upon us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ to know him better. I'm asking that you hide me behind the cross. Empty me of self so that I'm not seen or heard. And Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you will be glorified and your name praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God is testing you. Again, strange as it may seem, when we are going through a test, many times we don't realize we're going through a test. We're going through a trial, and therefore we forfeit. We respond in the wrong way, and we're going to see how some of God's people responded, and, and they end up failing. Okay, and so um, when we started this, we uh, looked at... Um, Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. And I read this from the Amplified that brought out the Greek and the Hebrew a lot more. No temptation. No temptation regardless of its source has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experiences then in the snow, but every human uh, is going to go through some form of testing or, or temptation. But for the Christians, we know on the back of that is the enemy uh, with reinforcement to cause us to try and fall into temptation. Nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. And this is talking to the church now. It's talking to the church. It's not beyond. It is what you are facing is not beyond human resistance. Lord, I can't. Lord, I can't. Lord, it's too much. We are told in the scriptures that it's not beyond human resistance. So we, therefore, are doing something wrong if we think that we cannot overcome temptation. We cannot go through trials and testing. There's something that we, uh, we should know that we don't know. And as we uh, emphasize, and I want to emphasize uh, last week, if you are depending on willpower, which is the first thing naturally that we go to, our willpower, if I can just have a stronger willpower and just say no to the devil, then I will have victory. There is no scripture references to that. So when I make this statement, it's, it's, it's alarming uh, to Christians, and then it makes sense. There is no scripture references to say that we must use our willpower. You're using something that is natural against something that is supernatural. Because Satan is behind that temptation. Satan is reinforcing that storm. So you have a supernatural power, a demonic spirit, behind that temptation, and you are trying to resist by your willpower. Well, guess who's going to win? It doesn't matter how much you say, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. You're going to end up doing it. We were never told to resist Satan in our own human strength. You can't do it. The Bible says that we can do all things through who? It didn't say your, your willpower. It didn't say your giftings, your talents, your abilities, your academic knowledge. 
all of these are part of the human um, ability, which is part of the flesh. And it doesn't matter how clever you are, you may been able to overcome here and there. But if you continue to stand in your own strength, Satan will have mastery over your human strength, over your willpower. But when he sees that you are not putting confidence in the flesh, in your willpower, but your confidence and your faith is in Jesus Christ, is in Jesus Christ, that he is the one who provides strength, the grace. There is absolutely nothing that he could do to overpower you because you're not standing in your strength, you're standing in Christ's strength. You're standing in his stead. And that's why the Bible says, resist the devil steadfast. Resist him, not by your willpower. So what is your will for? Your will is for you to yield your will to his grace. You put your strength, you, you find your strength in Christ. Lord, help me. The Holy Spirit is in you. You are weak. We are weak. Our human nature is a weak nature from the time of the fall in the garden. Adam and Eve fell to a lower nature. It's the nature of self. They were God aware, God conscious all the time. When they fell, they fell to a lower nature. And that nature from that point onwards was weak. And so every person on this earth, we came from Adam and Eve with that sinful nature, that selfish nature, a proclivity, a disposition towards wrongdoing. And when we try and resist in our own human strength as Christians, something that the enemy has assigned against us, and we are having some victory uh, over a, a few days, and then uh, the pressure is turned up by demonic powers, they will overcome you hands down. You're talking about demon spirits. You're talking about something that is uh, uh, stronger than you in the natural. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter uh, uh, 6, uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, our battle is not against human beings, but it's against principalities, disembodied spirits that are coming against you to wear you out, to get you to yield that pressure that no matter how positive you have been in the past before and your positivity has gotten you somewhere, there comes a time where the supernatural powers of darkness is on your case that no matter how positive you are, it will not work. And so Christians have been falling by the bucket load into temptation, giving in, being worn out, giving up in the battle because they were depending on their own human strength. 
When the Bible says we can do all things through Christ, who, who strengthens, who strengthens, who strengthens it? His strength. When the Bible says put on the old armor of God, whose armor is it? God's armor. But Christians have been fighting in their own strength. They've been burnt out and they've given up and they're thrown in the towel. And many has fallen into all various forms of sin. Because Satan has mastery over your flesh, if you depend on that. Self. And as we've heard, and I'll keep reiterating it, that Jesus said, deny your self. Self is all part of your, 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 your flesh, your carnal nature, your human nature. He says, I don't care, regardless of how clever you are, how good you are, God says, deny that if you're going to follow me. If you're going to rely on your human strength to live for me, no Christian can live for God in their own human strength. You cannot live for God. It's a supernatural lifestyle. Let me repeat that again. The Christian faith is a supernatural lifestyle lifestyle that cannot be lived out by your human willpower or your human strength. You will fall, you will fail, and you will live under condemnation and guilt as a Christian. That's why the Holy Spirit, he indwells you. The Holy Spirit is there for a reason. He is called the helper he will help you no matter what uh, the situation is that you are facing the, uh, that is uh, uh, so uh, overpowering. When you now, listen, when you now realize, Lord, I can't, and I'm just surrendering my will to you. Lord, I depend on your strength. I look to you in this matter, Lord. To give me the grace, empower me, enable me with your grace and strength to resist what's coming my way. Then, then, when the Holy Spirit sees that your faith is not in yourself, but is in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross when he defeated everything that you are facing. He defeated everything that you are facing, every trial, every temptation. Jesus bore it in his own body on the cross. So as I yield myself and say, Lord, help me, the Holy Spirit would have latitude latitude to work in your life. And all of a sudden, you find yourself being elevated above that situation. You will know the grace of God at work in you. Learning to deny our self and understanding that faith alone in the finished work of Calvary, what Jesus did there for us, grace is able to flow all the time in your life. But God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy. You can rely on God regardless of what you're facing. 
And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Either God is telling the truth or he's lying. Either he's telling the truth or he's lying. He would not, so we can't say, well, the devil made me do it. Many people do fail because of ignorance. They, they, they uh, have the wrong object of faith. Um, they're putting their trust in. They're putting their trust in their willpower. They're putting their trust in something else. Um, and uh, as a result of that, you are overpowered by the enemy constantly. Um, but if God uh, tells us uh, that uh, it would not uh, allow us to be tempted beyond our ability, well, well something is wrong then if we find ourselves disabled, paralyzed spiritually, failing. What are you putting your trust in? Where are you plugging your faith? You plug it in your ability? You plug it in psychology? Your faith has been given to you to be placed back in the Lord Jesus Christ. That he made provision on the cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus made provision on the cross for your victory. Every temptation and every trial that you come up against, Jesus Christ knows about it. And Jesus made provision for you to be strengthened, for you to overcome. And as you put your faith, Lord, I put my trust in you in this situation. The flesh is weak. The Bible tells us the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. So don't put your trust in your flesh, in your human nature, because you're going to fall. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now and will always provide a way out as well. God will always provide a way out when you're no longer looking to your own human strength. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I don't know how much I, more I can take of this. Lord, you paid the price. You made provision. You see what you're doing? You're taking his word and you're bringing it back. God wants to hear his word being quoted back, not that he forgets. We need to remind God of his word. Lord, you said you would not give me more than the ability that I have to bear. Lord, I look to you. Help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. And then this is where the Holy Spirit comes along because he lives inside of you. And you will find strength and grace being imparted in your life. And you're thinking, wow. Wow, this is amazing. That's why Paul says, when I'm weak, I know that I'm strong. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Why? Because he's weak, he can't, and he looks to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of his faith, and grace is being poured out in his life. And he's saying, I will boast in my weakness. Now I know that when I'm weak, I am strong. I boast in my weakness. I boast in the weakness. Who's going to do that? Unless you have tapped into something. Unless you have tapped into something that you did not have before, you did not know before. 
And that tapping is your faith in Christ. That's all it is. Your trust in God. Jesus, you took it. Jesus, you bore it. Jesus, you know what I'm facing right now. Almost sounds like a, a rap thing going on there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there the grace of God is, is able uh, to flow in uh, your life. Praise God. Uh, and he has, uh, in passing now, will provide a way out so that you will be able to endure. So you can see there's certain things that are not re removed straight away. There's a time of endurance. Okay, let's just get through this and we're going to look at some, um, some scenarios. Without yielding and will overcome temptations. And he says with joy. Wow, you imagine overcoming temptation with joy. To have that experience, to overcome temptation with joy. When you see the outcome of your faith, not in your faith, not in yourself, but your faith in Christ. Joy, because you know that there's ab absolutely no way that you would have been able to do it. Because you've tried before and you end up failing. And now you understand the, the, the object of your faith is always Christ, that you're going to trust him uh, 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 through those situations. And then you see yourself overcoming, then the Bible says it's going to be with great joy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you bore on the cross so that I can have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Wow. So just as fire refines, it refines. Fire refines. It purifies, doesn't it? Fire. It does it with gold and other things uh, uh, as one extracts uh, a metal. God refines us through Difficult circumstances. Think about that. God refines us. It is not God's intention to trip you up through trials and testing. God can only refine the church through difficult circumstances. In that wonderful song of the late Andre Crouch, if I never had a problem... I will never know that God could ever solve them. It's true, right? If you never had a problem, all you've been doing is just singing about God can solve problems and God can do this, but you never had the experience. And so when you go through the experience, what happens? Your faith is stronger in God. You get to know God more. You get to know a facet of God that you have never known before. So you are experiencing God for yourself. It is a personal experience. And sadly, a lot of Christians are not having experiences with God because their faith is not holding out. So they're great talkers. They can talk up churchianity. They can quote scripture. But there is no substance in their lives. There is no testimony that they can stand and say, brothers and sisters, uh, over the past year, this happened and that happened, but God took me out when this and that. There is no testimony. There's not many that can stand with a testimony. Why? Because they went through the test and failed the test. 
for you to have a testimony, there must be a test. There must have been a trial that you had faced and come out for you to be able to stand and give a testimony of God's goodness, of God's grace, of God's strength, of God's power. But if you have not learned to endure, to stay in that valley, to stay in the battle, then you're not going to have a testimony. You'd just be a good talker. You just know God through theory, just through your words, but not through experience. And so when harder time comes, you just fall. And this is where a lot of Christians are going to deny God. Because they've been ducking and weaving and running and, and not obeying God and not staying the course of situations in their lives. So when the difficult times come, which are coming, difficult times, greater difficult times, according to the, uh, uh, the prophecy through Paul, uh, to his letter to Timothy, that in the last days, hard to bear, perilous times, difficult times will come, difficult times if you're not standing now, do you know what's around the corner? You won't stand around the corner. If you're not going to stand now, if you're always throwing in the towel and giving up at every situation that you face, if you're always failing the test and complaining and murmuring and grumbling, you will turn on God. I guarantee you, you will turn on God. God has promised to be with us in every situation, not to abandon us. So God refines us through difficult circumstances. When we are tested, we can. This is what we can do. When we are tested, we can either complain or we try and see how God is stretching us to develop our Character. Let's look at um, Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, we've got a, a lot of scriptures of different scenarios so we can learn and, and take courage and, be, and understand God's ways. It's understanding God's ways. When you don't understand God's ways, that's when you, you can get mad at God and, and, and whatever. Okay, so Exodus uh, chapter 16, verse number 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may what? Test them. Whether they will walk in my laws or not. So this is on the back of the children of Israel coming out of the wilderness. I think it was the, the, uh, the second month. Uh, and the 15th day that, that God delivered them from uh, Egypt now, they were in the wilderness where they were used to having a, a meal certain times a day, every day, even though they were under the whiplash of Pharaoh, incarcerated as uh, uh, slaves and for, um, uh, for so many hundreds of years. Um, now uh, they are in the wilderness. God did speak to the leaders and said, listen, God will take us out of Egypt and he will bring us into a land that flows with milk and honey. But see, they didn't anticipate the trials and the testing that they would have to go through. Now, God has to take, this was the first church. It was a church of, what, 2.5 million uh, 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 people in the wilderness. And so, um, so they're in the wilderness, two months, 15 days, whatever. And... Um, 
they begin to complain. Everything with the children of Israel, they complain. It's no different from the present church. Please watch your complaining. When you, we only complain when we face situations that, oh, we are disappointed and, and, and we don't see our expectation uh, that we expect coming about in our time. Then we, become, we begin to complain. We begin to murmur. You could be on a trial. You could be tested by God and failing. And again, we have the experiences of those in the Old Testament, and the Bible says they are there for our learning. So we don't end up doing what they did. But looking at the present church today, there's very little difference. Although we have the Holy Spirit in us, and they didn't. But the present church is falling into the same pitfalls that the children of Israel uh, did. And so, um, so God gave specific instructions to Moses to give to the people concerning how this manna uh, is to be taken up. Manna will fall fresh manna. God told Moses, as you read the, the, the entire story, will fall every day. Now you're supposed to take up a certain quota depending on the amount of people in your tent living in your house. Okay, the Bible uh, told them not to overdo it in taking it up and not to have any of the manna left over to the next morning. It was very detailed instructions that God gave to Moses and Moses gave to the people. And now God was going to test them now. Let's see what's really in their heart. Are they going to obey me? What do you think God is doing with some of you? You see, when you begin to live the life, you can't live this Christian life and do your own thing. You are under a different master. Before you came to Christ, you were under the master of Satan. Now you're under different management because you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. You're under Jesus' management. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. Uh, then you are in absolute rebellion and you will forfeit everything that God has for you. If you're going to live your own life, Christian life, your own way, you are going to forfeit, you're going to fail, you're going to fall. When you said, Jesus, come into my life, you gave him your life. Why? Because before then, your life was in the hand of Satan. You can't be doing what you want to do and call yourself a Christian. You are supposed to be a disciple. A disciple is a learner, someone at the feet of a teacher being, learned, being taught. You're a student, and Jesus is your teacher. He's your master. He's your God. He knows what's best for you, but we think we know what's best for us, and we end up falling into a ditch time and time and time again because we are rebellious. It's part of this human nature that we have to learn to die daily too. Otherwise, we end up rebelling against God's word. And Satan would have us for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, my Lord, my Lord. And so the details were given. And um, uh, because they had this uh, Shabbat, which was the seventh day, they were supposed to rest. Jesus says on, uh, God said to Moses through, uh, um, to Moses, to the people, that uh, on the sixth day, on the sixth day, collect twice as much. Because on the Saturday, no work is to be done. That including cooking as well. Because that day is a day to the Lord, to remember the Lord. And, uh, and so forth. So that was the instruction. 
what did the people do? When the manna fell, they rejoiced, they went out, collect the manna, and some collected more than they should, and they left some over to the next day, and the manna that was left over to the next day had maggots come, coming out of it, and it stunk. On the Sabbath day, the day of rest, when no work was to be done, a day unto the Lord, what did some of them do? They went out looking for manna. God's anger was kindled against his people because of their disobedience. We've got to watch that, church. We really have got to watch our disobedience. We really got to ask God, and it's something that I, it's, it's a prayer that I constantly pray, help me to be obedient. Because I know, Lord, there are times coming when I don't want to be obedient. Because it, it doesn't look like it may, uh, it may look like it may inconvenience me, so I'm not going to obey. Listen, we must get it straight. We must be resolved in our hearts that disobedience is not an option. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, teaching them to obey, teaching them to obey. All those that will follow me, teach them, teach them that obedience. It's crucial in following God. When we live a willful, disobedient Christian life, it seems as if demons know. It's like a red flag in the kingdom of darkness. They can see when we are living a willful, disobedient life. We open up doors for the enemy to afflict us. And that is not what God wants. God wants us to serve him out of a love in our heart because of what he did for us that we did not deserve. The son of God that bled and died and suffered on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to go to hell. The least you and I could do is to obey him. After all that he has done for us, after all that he went through, the one who knew no sin became sin. Come on. Do you understand the gravity of what it took for God to become a human being? Fully God, fully man, to be limited in a body, to left his glory behind being omnipresent, omniscient, left that behind to rely on the Holy Spirit to show you and I how we can live for God. At his own creation, that spattered him, that punched him, that beat him. The least we can do, the least we can do, Lord, is to obey you. Is, it, is he asking for too much? We need to repent of our disobedience. We need to repent of our rebellion. We need to repent of our selfishness. In the light of the cross, in the light of what Jesus Christ went through. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to give us a fresh revelation constantly of the cross. Because some of the things that he asks us to do, we think it's too much. And look what he did for us that he didn't have to do. He, he could have destroyed the world. And start it all over again. Lord, give us a revelation of your love. Of how much you really do love us. 
that you could have left us to our devices and end up in, we could have ended up in hell. Because the Bible says we didn't choose God, he chose us. We didn't want him. He chose us, we were running from him. We want to live our own life. But God, God chased you down. God hunted you down in his love because he doesn't want you burning in hell. Isn't God good? Isn't God good, church? At least we can do is to obey him. And we ask the Holy Spirit for that. Help me to obey. Help, Lord, you know how stubborn I am. Any stubborn people here? We're all stubborn. There's, it's in our human nature. Some is more stubborn than others. And that, God wants you to be stubborn for the right things, for truth, for righteousness, for holiness, for non-compromising as a Christian. That's where your stubbornness should be directed. But we end up being stubborn against the will of God, against the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. And that's what Satan laughs at the church when he sees us being stubborn against God. He knows that we do not appreciate what he did for us 2,000 years ago. We make very light of the cross. We have very little understanding. Just Jesus died for my sins. And that's, that's it. That's blase, surface understanding and we move on and so we end up living a rebellious disobedient life against God but you will stand before him I will stand before him if you're living for yourself when you stand before your maker what are you going to hear a good number of people will hear depart from me I never knew you Mm. God promised to meet the needs uh, concerning food in the wilderness for his people, but he's decided to test their obedience. God wanted to see if they uh, would obey his detailed instructions. We can only learn, listen, we can only learn to follow by following. We can only learn to follow by following. We can only learn obedience by obeying. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and number 2. And you shall remember the Lord your God mm, who led you all the way these 40 years. Remember, because of their disobedience, they could have ended up in the promised land less than two weeks after they left um, Egypt. But because of their disobedience, God tested them 10 times and they failed. And then God says, right, that's it. Your carcasses are going to drop in the wilderness. Those 21 and under would enter the promised land. But all the older ones, you're not going to see the promised land. What does that look like today in the church? 
Is that something that we can take note of? That some of the things that God has spoken to some of us, but because of our disobedience, because of our grumbling, complaining, murmuring, that we can end up forfeiting the promises of God and never see those things that God's spoken to our lives, and we end up bitter, bitter against God, bitter against other people, jealous and envious of people that we are seeing now moving into some of those things that, where's my blessing? How have you been living for God? Just because you come to church and you give tithes and offering and whatever, listen, if you're not obeying God, you will forfeit whatever has been spoken over your life. Who led you these 40 years in the wilderness, for what purpose? Listen, look at this scenario. To humble you and test you. To humble you. Are we naturally humble? No, we're not. The human nature is, is, is rebellious. So, so God had to allow them to wander through the wilderness to, number one, humble them and to test them. To test you to know what was in your heart. Wow. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. So now could you start to paint a picture of God's ways, of trials, of testing, why God allows it. He doesn't tempt us. He doesn't put temptation before us. That's the devil. God would test us. We say we love God. Okay, let's see how much we love God. So God now allows a situation to come in your life, and now you're grumbling, you're murmuring, you're getting mad at God, you're getting mad at everybody around you. What's happening? You're failing because you do not recognize, oh, I wonder if this is a test. Lord, please help me. I, I keep complaining. I, I keep grumbling. I keep murmuring. Lord, I repent of my grumbling, murmuring, and complaining every time something goes wrong. I complain, forgive me, Lord, and give me the grace. Give me the strength, Lord, that I don't go that direction. He will. He would remind you, you will catch yourself. You find yourself, and then you, all of a sudden, you catch yourself. The Holy Spirit now will impress on you, uh-oh, red flag, red flag. And as you realize that, sorry, Lord. That's all you have to say. Sorry, Lord. I receive your grace. I receive your strength. Why? Because now you're cutting on. You are realizing God is testing me. Because if you were a person that always complained, you know, there's some certain people that just complain about everything, grumble about everything, murmur about everything. You find those people, you could end up really being so ungrateful. So you, you, you're not thankful for what comes in your life. You're just thinking, I deserve it. You just deserve it. That you are entitled. You're not entitled to nothing. We don't deserve anything from God. We don't deserve anything. When you get that and understand that, that you don't deserve anything, you become grateful. Father, I thank you for your grace. Because when you examine yourself and you see the type of person you really are inside, 
And you just thank God for his grace. That I am what I am by the grace of God. And we give him all the glory and we give him all the praise for everything that he will do in and through our lives. That we won't take any credit for it. It all goes to him. Had it not been, had it not been that day, that morning, that night when he called us and we surrendered, where would we be today? What could have happened? Some will probably be dead. Some will probably be in prison. Had it not, boy, I can look at my life Boy, it was not good. Lord have mercy. Especially when I was up before Crown Court. My gosh, with six policemen giving evidence against me, lying out of their teeth. And I wasn't a Christian. And I thought, and it looked like I was going to go down along with my brother for something that we didn't do. And in my heart, I said, if this happens, when I come out, I'm going to go after cops, policemen. That's what I said to myself. But for the grace. Hallelujah! But for the grace. But for his grace. When the jury came back, how do you find the defendant, Derek Leroy Wilson? Guilty or not guilty on all these charges? Not guilty. Not guilty. The judge threw down his pen. He threw it down. How do you find the other defendant? Guilty on this? Not guilty. And he threw his pen down because he was biased in his summings up of the case. And he wanted us to go down for Christmas. It was two weeks before Christmas. My God, but for the grace of God, church, where would we be? Oh, I give God praise all the time. I can never forget that because I know it's not by chance. Even our barrister came to us when we were in the cells, locked up for on remand while the case was going on. He says, listen, you know the judge is biased, and so have you got any good words that you want me to mention to the judge? I said, I didn't do anything. And the reality hit me. That I was going down. And I just contemplated if I'm found guilty for something, I'm going to get these policemen. The enemy began to sow these seeds in my heart. But I can stand before you and say there's nothing in my heart against policemen and policewomen. Hallelujah. I bless them. I pray for them because of what the grace of God has done in my life, church. Hallelujah. So don't think that you are so wonderful that you deserve. My God, when you examine yourself and realize, but for the grace, but for the grace of God, where would I be? So God tests us to see are you going to follow my instructions? Are you going to obey my words? Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy now, chapter 8 again, the same chapter. And look at verse number 16. And it continues when you read this entire uh, 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 thing. And so you just have to read the verses before to find out the context. Who fed you in the wilderness? And so here's uh, Moses standing before the children of Israel. We're about to go into the promised land. And he's now just giving a download of what God did. To remember, don't forget. Okay, and then he continues and says, Who fed you in the wilderness with manna 
So remember that, guys. Remember how he fed you in the wilderness, okay, uh, which your fathers uh, did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good, to do you good. Notice what these trials and testings are for. It's to do you good in the end. You got to reach the end of the testing, the trials. You got because at the end of the tunnel, there is light. At the end of the tunnel, there's a pot of gold. At the end of the journey, there is good that God has ordained for you. I'm not just talking about when you get to heaven now. I'm talking about here on earth. Whatever God allows you to go through for a period of time. And you're looking around and you're hearing other people's testimony and you're just thinking, when is my one coming? Just rejoice with those who are getting their breakthrough because your one is on the way. And when it happens, hey, you're going to have to call other people to share in the blessing because it's going to be over and above, over and above. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. I tell you, church, our blessing, our breakthrough, it is on the way. It has your name on it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verse number 3. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet. Now we're going to look at another scenario here. Or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now today church, there are many false teachers, many false prophets that has peripherated the body of Christ. God has allowed them as he allowed these false prophets to test them. Coming with teachings that God, and you got to look at the context when these false prophets came about. What were they prophesying? Always these good fleshy carnal things are, are, are appealing to their fallen nature, money and prosperity and all that. God does and he can give us those things. But God wants us to love him first. God wants us to love him with all his, our hearts, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. That is first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things that you have need of shall be added unto you. And so these false dreamers and false teachers, they come now and they're not talking about self-sacrifice. They're not talking about denying yourself. They just says, hey, prosperity, breakthrough, your best life now. You can have all of that. So God allowed false prophets to come amongst them to really test them. Are they going to love me? Are they going to love me? Or are they going to look for the easy option out of their circumstances? So many Christians are running after false prophets, looking for a prophecy. These false prophets come along and say, if you come to our meeting, um, come for a prophecy, they're no different from clairvoyance, mediums. That's what they are. Promising you a prophecy. That's a false dreamer, a false teacher, a false prophet. They're not of God to, 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 to prophesy over you randomly. Listen, it's, it, it's, it's by the Holy Spirit. You don't promise people a prophecy. 
you're going to conjure all kind of lying prophecy. They're prophesying over you. And yet Christians are running here and running there looking for a word, prophesying. And so you open yourself to familiar spirits that's operating through these false prophets to begin to speak into your life and your life will become a misery. They're only after one thing and that's your money. Offering you prophecies, offering you this, offering you that. They're liars, they're charlatans, they're rogues, they're scammers. Scamming the body of Christ. And because so many people in the body of Christ are gullible, they don't want to seek God and get a relationship with God and know God, God then, God has allowed these false prophets to come their way. Because there's really no love for God. There's no love for God. They're just serving God for what they can get. Oh, God can make me rich? Oh, oh, oh I'm in for that. Yeah. Wow, wow. Oh, we can have a prayer meeting just on prosperity. Oh, and just pray for prosperity. Pray for prosperity. Yeah, I'm in for that. Nothing wrong in praying for that. But if that becomes the emphasis, any church, any minister where that becomes the emphasis, it's just to draw a crowd to get your money. Give to the man of God. Give to the man of God. And God will bless you. Sow into the man of God right now. There's somebody here that can sow 1,000 pounds. Liar. Liar, liar. Yes, they're liars, church. And so many people are hooked by these false prophets. And here we just read that God said, I will test you with these people. Don't listen to their dreams. Don't listen to their prophecies. And they're scattered. They're everywhere. They've got churches and they Wow, uh, full of people who are just there uh, to serve themselves, not to really uh, 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 serve the Lord. It's what they can get, what, what I can get. I'm there for what I can get. And uh, they just seem to be bewitched. They've been bewitched. They've been initiated uh, through these, uh, boy, let me just get into this, through these so-called anointing services, anointing oils, well, all of them have their bottle of oil with their name, with their face on the oil. And they don't even know where this oil comes from. It comes from the witch doctor and what they have done. And so when you now come forward and you receive this oil, bam, you're initiated. You have been covered. You have been spelled by them. And so you're going to be having dreams all the time of these so-called men and women of God. So aren't we supposed to use anointing oil? Aren't we supposed to have anointing oil? We just read that scripture in James. It was the first book in the New Testament. The first book in the New Testament was the book of James where he spoke about let anyone that is sick, let them anoint them with oil. But you don't see that through any of the other letters of Paul, of Peter, or the others. Because they did not understand the Holy Spirit as yet. So they were still having these anointing uh, services and stuff like that. So one has to be careful. There's a lot of church that does that and they don't really know. But uh, you find all, every, all false prophets will have oil. And what's in those oil? That's why when it goes on the person, they're now initiated without their realizing. They're being spelled, they're covered with darkness, and they're blind, and they're like slaves to this man or woman of God. 
no matter what comes out of their mouth, they can never do anything wrong. They're blinded spiritually. And so when the man of God now calls and says something to do with money, they're literally emptying their pockets. Judgment day is coming very soon for these false prophets. The book of Judges chapter 2, the book of Judges chapter 2 and verse 22 to 23 says, So that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving out immediately. These were... um, When God brought the children of Israel into the promised land, there were occupiers still in those areas. And God says, I will drive them out because of their abomination and their wickedness. But here we're seeing that God here left some of those ites. You've got the uh, parasites, the Hittites, the, uh, I just call them all parasites anyway, that were there in the nation. And that God allowed some of them to remain and not be driven out. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them in the land, in the hand, nor did he deliver them in the hand of Joshua. And so we know that Joshua took over from Moses and they entered the promised land eventually. And, uh, but God didn't clear out all the uh, uh, people that were there that were doing such abomination. The, there were uh, great battles that Joshua faced, but the people began to uh, not obey God, not walk in his ways. And so God allowed some of those nations to remain in their lives. What is God allowing to remain in your life because you have not walked in obedience to him? This tells me that there's certain things that could be lodged in one's life that are not going to be removed because of disobedience. I want you to look at the different scenarios of the trials and the testings that God allowed to come into the life of the people. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse uh, 3. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that's in his heart. Now, this is speaking of Ezekiah. Ezekiah was a king over Israel, and uh, God blessed him immensely with great wealth, with great riches, and there came a time uh, that uh, God was going to take him home. And, uh, and he sent the prophet Isaiah, go and tell Ezekiah to prepare his house. He's going to die. And uh, when Ezekiah heard that, he turned his face to the wall. Oh, God, remember the good that I have done. So you can see that throughout his life, things went wrong, that he was not so faithful. And God says, you're going home early. I'm going to take your life. And he turned to the wall and he 
asked God to remember his early days when he walked with God. And God heard that cry, and God had to his life 15 years. Now, what had uh, 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 happened here, and, um, and, and we're going to uh, read some of these things. Now, why did God leave Ezekiah to himself? After Ezekiah was healed of his sickness, he apparently developed a proudful attitude. When envoys came to inquire about his miraculous healing, God stepped back to see how Ezekiah would respond. Unfortunately, Ezekiah's actions revealed his pride. We need to take notice of this pride thing. He pointed to his own Ezekiah. When the envoys came down to see this great wonder that he was ill, Ezekiah, how God stepped back to see how is Ezekiah going to respond to these ambassadors now? This is now God watching Ezekiah. How is he going to respond? So God's a step back and watch Ezekiah. This is what God does with some of us. God does things in our lives that is good, and then he sees who is going to get the honor. Are you going to big yourself up? Or are you going to give me the glory? You know, so many people fail at this end. God blesses them, and they now want to prove themselves to people, to, to, to their family. And they're now boasting and bragging in an arrogant way, pride. This will happen to Hezekiah. These things are there for us to learn. Watch out. There is a demon there. So let's continue to read what, uh, uh, what happened here. So God stepped back to see how Ezekiah would respond. Unfortunately, Ezekiah's action revealed his pride. He pointed to his own accomplishment. Look what I have done. I, I, I. Rather than God. So this is very, very serious, church. Um, pride, it's, it's the first thing that always happens before we fall. In whatever trap, it's always pride. And uh, we, we all have pride in our hearts. There's a positive side to pride. You can have pride in your work, in what you do. You do it very well and stuff like that. You dress very well. That's a pride. That's nothing wrong in that. But the pride that the Bible is talking about is that where you're preoccupied with your self-accomplishment. And you're lifting up yourself for what God has done. You are attributing the accomplishments to yourself and not God. And this is what happened with Ezekiah. The Bible says that God stepped back to see how is Ezekiah. Because these important people come. Some important people can come your work. Tell us how. How did this happen? And you begin to boast of your own effort. There's nothing wrong in to say what you did and how you studied very hard and how you got this. And that. But you know, had it not been... For God's grace. See, Ezekiah would have died. And when he, got, when he was healed, they, they heard of it and they came. These ambassadors, these envoys came. Hey man, how did this happen? Tell us. And he did not attribute anything to God. It's a sad story when you look at these scenarios of being tested. How God would test us in different areas of our lives. To see what we would do. 
how many tests are you passing? As stated, this is not God's, uh, this, as stated, this is not God uh, that he may know and uh, for uh, he being omnipresent. See, God knew what was in his heart, but this is the reason why God allowed that so he can bring up what's in our heart. God knows everything. God knows what's in our heart. And it's for us to actually see those things. And, and when we see those things, we, we come to God and we repent of it. By trials of the believers, the Lord purifies them as metal is purified in the fire. Look at Psalm 66 and verse 10. Psalm 66 and verse 10 tells us, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. Psalms 119 and verse 7 tells us, It is good for me. Wow. It is good for me that I had been afflicted. This is David. That I may learn his ways, his statutes. So David talks about the trials, talks about the things that happened. Had it not been that these things happened in his life, I would have not have known you, Lord, in the way that I know you now. There's some things that we have been through. Huh? There's some terrible things that we've been through as a church. Uh, in the first year, we had a murder in the first three months of the church existence. A murder. I was right there, one of our members. A knife went past my side and went into the person that I was blocking and trying to uh, 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 defend. And he died two days later uh, in the hospital. The year after that, we had two children drowned along with her mother in uh, uh, the swimming pool, two-year-old, a three-year-old, and her mother dead. This was some difficult seasons of our lives. When, especially when the murder happened, I, I could not, I says, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't do this thing. I can't pastor. Uh, the first three months, first three months I started pastoring. Uh, so that was 30 years ago. And uh, when this happened, I said, Lord, this, uh, I says, I, I still believe in you, but I, I have no confidence. It, it's gone. I, I, I could stand, I could minister, but I won't believe in what I'm saying. Because I don't understand why this happened. A lot of people say, well, the knife was meant for you, Pastor Derek. When I went out and ran into the crowd, they were going to look like they were going to kill this 14-year-old boy. And I just ran in there, and I just start pushing them back. And I said, why are you doing this? You know, this is your brother. It's a black guy, black and black. What are you going to kill this guy for? And then they began to back off, not realizing at that time the guy, one of our members got out of the car. Um, and uh, started, he was a new convert, so he was trying to copy me as well. And I ran over and I says, listen, he's with me. And um, it was dark, it was in Shepherd Bush. And, and so this was on the news and everything. And uh, I just saw something, it's, everything's happened so quickly because 
tube station, some more guys were coming over, and these guys that were there says, come over here. So as I was looking at these guys, wondering what's going to happen, someone just said, I just saw something, went so quickly past me, but I didn't know what it was. There was no reaction from Alfredo, and, um, and so they looked at me, I looked at them, I thought, Strange, why are they looking at so weird for? And they began to disperse. In that time, Pastor Paul, she was in the car with some other uh, members uh, of the vehicle uh, uh, from the church, and um, they began to disperse. So I said, Alfred, let's go. And he said, I've been stabbed. So what do you mean he's been stabbed? Because, you know, he, there was no reaction, no noise. So I just thought, okay, if you've been stabbed. And he just was calm. And uh, he entered the car, and um, I said, okay, let's go to the nearest hospital. And by then, he was collapsing in the car. I was in the bus lane, driving, and the police car was behind me. He says, get out of the bus lane, you know, loud. I stopped, and he says, there's a young guy in the car that's been stabbed. And they took him out, and his spleen was hanging out. And so, um, ambulance came, and uh, we had one of our Portuguese uh, 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 sisters in the vehicle that went in the ambulance because he was Portuguese-speaking, not much English he could have spoken. And he, one of his last few words is, I want to go home and be with Jesus. Prior to that, we just finished a Bible study. And when we finished that Bible study, on the way to drop him home along with others in the vehicle, he was giving away things. He was giving away his, his bus pass. He was giving away. I said, Alfredo, what are you doing, man? You need your bus pass. He says, no, no. Uh, and he was just giving things away. Uh, a whole week's bus pass. Very strange behavior. Obviously, we had no clue. I don't know if he had any clue what was going to happen. And he got filled that night with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, so when, when this happened, because we were going to the hospital on a Sunday afternoon now to visit Alfredo because he was still in intensive care. And then we were told to stop by the nurses. We can't see him yet because by then they were trying to resuscitate him. And they came later on and says that Alfredo had died. Uh, it was, do you, would you like to see his body? Uh, uh, we'd like to see him. I said, yes. And so we went in there. We saw Alfredo just lying there. And I, I just in a state of shock. I just could not believe what I, I, I was seeing. And, um, and so obviously going back home, I remember there was a word isn't given that what you are, are something that I will go through. Uh, and, and when that word came back, I said, I, I don't care about that word. Someone's died. I says, Lord, this is, this is too much. I, I, I can't do this thing. Um, and uh, throughout that weekend, I remember that just, I was living, we were living in Catford, then I went out and I was walking by a stream. Uh, uh, and I just was thinking about what was happening because I, I didn't know that I was in, in, in shock and in trauma at that time because I didn't want to see a knife. Anytime I saw a knife, it, it just brought back what happened. I just, I couldn't take seeing a knife. And uh, not really I, I, realizing that I was, I was traumatized by the situation. And so I was walking by the stream. And I said, God, I, I don't know if I can do this. How am I going to stand before the congregation and really believe what I'm saying? How? I says, I can't do this. And uh, then God spoke. It was not an audible voice. But when he spoke, it brought instantaneous healing. I cannot explain. It is supernatural. 
And then he, he spoke about Alfredo. Blessed are the peacemakers, Matthew chapter 5. Um, for um, uh, they shall be called the children of God. And for uh, creating peace, sometimes uh, you, you know, people do lose their lives uh, to create peace. And he was saying something to me about Alfredo and his ministry and what will happen with my life, taking up the ministry. And, um, and there's some other things that God spoke concerning Alfredo's life. And he's, God said he, uh, he's, he became a martyr for peace. I mean, as the Lord was speaking, I, the, the trauma, whatever was going on in my soul, was removed instantaneously. So much so that I began to feel guilty of not feeling bad. It, it, sounds, it sounds weird. I mean, I was, you know, ready to think, how can I continue pastoring? And, and that was just out of the way. You know, and um, uh, through that experience, um, I was interviewed over Brazilian radio uh, across uh, Brazil because they'd heard of this uh, guy's death. His parents were into witchcraft. And uh, we didn't know that we heard that afterwards. Uh, and and um, as the people listened to what my testimony and what Alfredo said, I want to go and be with Jesus. And I began to talk about Alfredo, the type of person that he was when he came to Christ. He was so hungry for God and um, he just really looked at me and just received everything that I was saying. And, um, and this went across Brazil and people were touched and moved and his parents got saved, came out of witchcraft. Uh, then I was invited to a big event at Westminster Chapel concerning bravery and stuff like that. Of The police were there and other government people were there uh, and they were sort of um, giving, I don't know, awards or whatever. I was asked to speak to this entire about this situation and I was able to speak about Alfredo as a Christian and what he said in this situation. And I was able to speak about my own experience as a minister and um, my forgiveness of the, the person that, that did this uh, uh, wrong and, and, and so forth. Now, uh, uh, saying that, I mean, the enemy wanted to use that to abort my destiny and my ministry and our calling. And, um, and then the following year when that terrible suicide, it was a, it was a suicide, it happened. Uh, can't go too much into that, but it was really a, a, a dreadful situation because I had to identify the two-year-old, the three-year-old, and the mother and um, uh, 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 of what took place. And so I stood there and looked at the bodies. I don't know. I, I, I'm just thinking, you know, is this real what I'm seeing here? A two-year-old, a three-year-old, and a mother on a slab. And I'm saying, yes, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And I had to sign and, 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 and so forth. And yet God had to... Um, I, God, somehow, I don't know how we were able to stand in that situation. And, um, uh, uh, but God really empowered us 
uh, with his grace that we were able to uh, stand in, in that time and we're here today. Let me say this before I stop. Church, this road is not going to be easy. There's certain things that will happen in our lives that we have no understanding. And God will not give us an answer to every situation. Billy, the late Billy Graham puts it across in this way. It says there's times in your life where God will not make sense. But one has to be resolved that God is sovereign in every situation. And we don't, may not have the answers to everything. But God knows. And it's for you and I to trust him in those difficult times when we want to throw in the towel. Because you know that you know that there is a God. Because you don't have the answers. Why? That is obviously a human reaction. Why? 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 And it's not all your whys are going to be answered. It's for you to be resolved that God is sovereign. And that in every situation, he's still a good God. God knows we will understand Better by and by. We will understand when we get over in that promised land. And that's where all things will come together. What we don't understand, why we had to go through certain things. There's certain things that we will have understanding. But if we're saying, Lord, I want to serve you to the end. Lord, do with my life as you please. I surrender every era of my life. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. There is not an alternative. It's either you are sold out for God or you're not. The Bible says if you choose to save your life, you will lose it. In other words, yes, I'm going to have God, but I'm going to do my own thing. That, that means you're saving your life. But if you lose your life, you will gain everything from God. And God is looking for total and full surrender from his people. He's coming soon. God is coming soon. And so the various testings of life that we will go through, it is to see What's in you? You stood up and you gave your testimony. How much you love me and you will serve me. Now, because of a situation that has come into your life and there is no answers yet, so you're going to deny him, you're going to reject him, you're going to turn your back on him, you're going to start complaining, you're going to start murmuring, you're going to start grumbling. Haven't you read what happened in the wilderness? When these people's carcasses dropped in the wilderness and they failed to enter the promised land that God promised to them, I'm taking you out of this place of Egypt where you've been incarcerated and you're going to go into a land that flowed with milk and honey that applied to every one of them. I want to say that everything of God's promises is conditional. If you, according to Deuteronomy 28, 
if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do all that I have commanded you this day, I will set you above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and shall overtake you. But the first word is if. Conditional. It's the same that happened with the children of Israel. God promised. And so he took them out and they saw his goodness. Then God says, okay, let me just see for a few days, no food. What are they going to start saying? It would have been better if we had stayed in Egypt. At least we know when we're going to have meat. They were talking about going back. They saw the plagues, they saw the judgment of God in Egypt, they saw the Red Sea open before them, and they walked through on dry land, and they saw the sea swallowed Pharaoh and all of his army. Three days, three days into the wilderness, they start complaining, and, 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 and listen to what God says. God says, Moses, they're not complaining about you, they're complaining against me. It's me. Because they can't see me, they can see you. Ten times they were tested and they fell to enter the promised land. There are those that are going to fail to see God's goodness. And there are those that are going to come afterwards and they're going to enter the things that God has for them. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you the glory this afternoon. We thank you for this message. We thank you for what your spirit is saying to us. We thank you for conviction of areas of our lives and things that we have been doing where we have faltered, where we have failed in areas, oh God, of complaining and grumbling and moaning and fussing and never being grateful. Lord, we are sorry. Sorry for our arrogance. Sorry for our pride, proudfulness, Lord, that we are. Father, we take up repentance this afternoon and we just want to say, Lord, where we have walked in willful disobedience, Forgive us. Where our hearts have revealed things that were contrary to our Christian walk, forgive us. We are sorry, Lord. In the light of the cross, in the light of what you did for us that you didn't have to do, thank you for your patience. Thank you for putting up with us, with all our faults and warts and everything, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you for not condemning us, pushing us to the side. Thank you for your grace today that is extended to every person under the side of my voice. Even in our stubbornness, our rebellion, I thank you that you are patient, Lord, with us to still love us and to still woo us to your side and to draw us and to call us. Father, I pray for those who are going through trials and have failed, 
who have been tempted and tested and have failed. Lord, I'm asking for your grace, your strength for the next one that will come, Lord. Because we failed and it will come back round again. Lord, I'm asking in that moment, in that time, when that temptation comes, when that trial comes, Lord, that we will look to you and experience such a wonderful grace empowering us and enabling us to do what we cannot do in our own human strength. When we find ourselves complaining and murmuring and grumbling, oh God, we pray, Holy Spirit, please sound the alarm bells in us. Let us see what we're doing so we are able to catch ourselves. Lord, help us in our weaknesses where we just give in to our fallen human nature and just say whatever comes out of our mouths without thinking. Holy Spirit, help us to be aware of God's ways and how he carries out his testings in our lives. to form our character, to strengthen us, to make us a better person that many times we fail to see. Help us to humble ourselves voluntarily. Because we saw what you did, Lord, in, with the children of Israel. They wandered in the wilderness. The older ones never entered the promised land. Lord, I pray that we will not fail to enter the things that you have ordained for us before the foundation of the world. I pray for every person, man, woman, boy, and girl, under the sound of my voice, Lord, that we will not shipwreck in our Christian faith because of our disobedience, our rebellion. Father, where there is a rebellious streak in our hearts, we lay down at your feet right now. We just renounce and repent of that rebellion in our lives. We are sorry, Lord, being so stubborn and selfish. Help us to be more like you, please. Holy Spirit, help us to be more like Jesus. Conform us to the image of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I sense the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit in this place. Moving throughout this house, moving online where people are watching. Spirit of God, we yield, we yield, we yield every area of our life. Those areas that we have kept you out of. Jesus, come and be Lord. We hand over the reins of our lives, the reign of our lives in your hands. We trust you now with our future. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. No more our will, but your will. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Stand to our feet, shall we? Thank you, Jesus.